a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Compromise, collaboration, centrist, moderate. The national headlines tell that these things have become dirty words in our hyper partisan political environment. But they don't have to be. Headlines tell you it's impossible to reach a compromise without compromising your principles. Headlines would have us hunker down with fake fights and false choices. Headlines say the center is a black hole of wishy-washy ideas and a lack of principles. You think all that's true? Or is it just possible that we could be better and be smarter when we come to the center? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We are very thrilled to have joining us uh, once again on the program, uh, former Senator Joe Lieberman and, uh, of course, former vice presidential candidate as well. But uh, most important, he's, uh, in my view, one of the last statesmen uh, in this country who understands what the core of the core of the country is really all about. He's written a new book called The Centrist Solution how we govern, how we make government work, and how we can make it work again. And uh, Senator Lieberman, we are so grateful to have you on the show today and uh, really looking forward to this conversation. There's been a lot of attention of late, of course, on uh, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, Senator Sinema from Arizona, and they've taken heat from the left and the right. Uh, and you've defended them in in terms of, hey, there there is a place there in the center that actually can be meaningful and actually powerful for our democracy. Well, right, you are. First off, uh, Boyd, it's great to be back with you. I admire and respect you and all the media in which you appear. And uh, it's good to be back talking to you. No, um, look, uh, in some ways, I went through in different times, particularly uh, around the Iraq war and some parts of Obamacare, in which I disagreed with most of my fellow Democrats, some of the same things that uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are going through now. But, you know, I, I give them a lot of credit because uh, I think they're doing exactly what they think is right. It's not easy in this very partisan time to um, break from your party. But, uh, you know, if you don't believe in what they're asking you to do, that's what I think you were elected to do. And I, I think that... Um, Senators Manchin and Cinema have uh, pulled the process back toward the center, which is where, as I write in my book, solutions to America's problems have always come. 
beginning with the Constitutional Convention and going right up to a great uh, bipartisan infrastructure reform bill that uh, uh, was adopted by members of both parties, recommended, written, and uh, and uh, voted on in the in the Senate by 69 senators with 19 Republicans and uh, Mitch McConnell among them supporting it. Then it got to the House. It got blocked by the so-called progressive caucus in the House. But th- this thing can work, and it only works if people are willing to go to the center and mansion and cinema really created. I mean, I, hey, boy, let me tell you a little story, which this <clears throat> a little uh, folks here, the, my, my, the narrative I just finished. So when I uh, first arrived in the Senate in 1989, I got to know uh, John Bro, who was a senator from Louisiana and a, and a real centrist. Uh, and uh, he said to me at one point, you know, everybody will tell you you need 60 votes to break a filibuster in the Senate, and then you need 51 to enact legislation. But that's not always true. Sometimes it just takes one or, Joe, two of us to get to 60 or 51 and, and we can really determine what happens. And that's exactly what's going on in the Senate now. I mean, it's 50-50 between the two parties. Uh, the Republicans will not support this larger uh, uh, human service, social service uh, bill, climate change bill. So uh, the Democrats have to hold all 50, and therefore uh, Senators Manchin and Cinema or anybody else can pretty much um, ask for the changes they want and I think the other senators, or maybe distasteful, have to uh, uh, be realist and try to get as much as they can get that Mansion and Cinema agree with. That's that's the way the system works, and yeah. it's not a bad way either. Yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a feature, not a flaw, in uh, the way the Senate's supposed to work. Agreed. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, I want to get to one thing that uh, you have always articulated so well, and I think is so important for all of us to come, keep coming back to. And you talk about coming to the center, not in a squishy sellout uh, kind of way, but uh, with the, the integrity of compromise and bringing, you don't have to check your principles at the door, but it's in coming to the middle where you can actually hear, you can have debate, you can get to compromise. Uh, explain a little bit more about uh, how you came to that and your experience with it. Yeah, thank you. That's a very uh, important point that I'm trying to make in the book. Being a centrist is not like being a moderate. Moderates can come to the center, but but the, the centrist solution is all about liberals, moderates, uh, conservatives, Republicans, independents, Democrats, all deciding that they care enough about trying to get something done on a given problem, coming to the center and beginning by talking civilly with one another, uh, negotiating, uh, as you say, compromising, not their ethics or their principles, but how much of what they want on the bill they will accept uh, in return for the support of the other side. And give the other side some things as well, and that that's the way legislation has always been adopted, and some of our biggest legislation has been adopted, going back to the Constitutional Convention uh, in Philadelphia when they had to reconcile and resolve some really big differences of opinion to even uh, create uh, the government uh, that we have today, and coming right down uh, to the negotiations on bills that I describe in my book which I hope will be a kind of how-to um, uh, for members of Congress and for p- 
people who resist or not in Congress will give you some hope that it can be done again. And 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 you, the voters, really have the greatest influence to demand that kind of um, centrist problem solving from your elected members of Congress and uh, the White House. Yeah, and, and I think getting to that point. Uh, I, I know for many, uh, you talk about coming out of this very divisive time, a lot of extremism on both the far left and the far right. Uh, and yet we have these big problems to to deal with in our country. Uh, and often the word compromise uh, is is just the red flag that you're about to have a primary challenger in your next election or your, you know, your local paper is going to go after you for, for being squishy. Uh, you learned early on in your career about the integrity of compromise, that this isn't about squishing out, but this is actually about standing on those principles, but doing it better. Yeah, I really appreciate your using that term, integrity of compromise, twice uh, in the last few minutes, because uh, when I was a kid, uh, Connecticut elected a governor. I was just beginning to be interested in politics. His name was Abe Ribicoff, Um and he uh, was a Democrat, was elected governor. So um, in his first term, both houses of the Connecticut legislature were controlled by Republicans. And uh, his uh, opening speech, I'm pretty sure was his inaugural speech or first state of the state speech, really described that political reality. He's a Democrat. The uh, legislature is controlled by Republicans. He said, uh, to get anything done for the people who elected all of us, we're going to have to come together and work together. And he said, uh, there's nothing wrong with compromising. Uh, And then he he called his speech and said he was advocating or arguing for the integrity of compromise, which is a wonderful term that stuck with me ever since. Look, if you have a a matter of principle and and really deep personal morality, well, obviously you shouldn't compromise that. You should stick with it no matter what the consequences. But most of the cases that I've dealt with, both as a state senator for 10 years and 24 years in the U.S. Senate, the differences are not about morality. They're about how much of a uh, of what you want in a given bill you're going to settle for. And... Um, the best centrists, incidentally, that I've dealt with uh, have not been moderates. I mean, Teddy mm-hmm. Kennedy was a real liberal Democrat. John McCain was a real conservative Republican. But they both were capable of moving to the center and being very effective centrists in the sense that they would negotiate with people of a different point of view or a different party and get something done. And uh, uh, that that's the, the standard that I'm setting up in, in the book, The Central Solution, which I, I hope people in Congress, contrary to a lot of the pressures on them, to just stick with the parties, stick with the ideology, <laughs> do what's safe so you don't get primaried. I mean, good God, that's not why you work so hard to get elected to Congress. Uh, hopefully you work so hard to get to elected to Congress so you can really get something done. And, and that happens much more often than not in the center. Uh, meeting with other people who have a different point of view and are from a different party. Yeah, and, and I think that's such a, a vital component. We often 
uh, talk about the fact that we we have gone so far to just the talking points of of the extremes, and we kind of play that for political purposes and a lot of fake fights and false choices. But one of the things that we lose when we lose that central space is we actually lose curiosity, which I think in terms of governing and legislating, uh, if I can't come and listen to someone and be curious as to why they think a certain policy or solution is going to produce the best outcome, uh, then we really have no hope of getting to solutions that will actually make a difference. Yeah, good for you, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. So there's two elements of this that people don't really talk about much of the current drift toward partisanship and resistance to moving to the center and working across party lines. One is that our political discourse in America is increasingly uncivil. It's it's uh, nasty. <laughs> and uh, it's just uh, self-evident in human nature that if somebody is uh, uh, attacking you personally, you're going to be less likely to want to uh, sit down at a table with that person and trust that person to enter into the process of negotiating a solution to a national problem. So civility matters. But the other thing here is exactly what you said. Uh, Part of this is your mind open to listening to the other side uh, and maybe learning something from the other side. I mean, the truth is, it's an old axiom that we all learned when we were kids. Nobody has a monopoly on the truth. Yeah. But but uh, both parties, or at least wings of both parties, act as if they think they do have a monopoly on the truth. I learned long ago when I was a state senator that uh, though I came to the to the legislative body with uh, obviously my own experiences, and they were necessarily limited by by the experiences I had, and yet I was asked to uh, pass judgment uh, legislatively across the widest range of human experience. So I better listen to people who had a different point of view, and I particularly better listen to people who would be affected by the legislation I was considering. Uh, In other words, I I better be curious, to use your wonderful word, and open-minded. And uh, uh, unless unless more people in Washington are curious and open-minded, then they're not going to be productive and helpful even if we can get them to come uh, to the center and sit down at the same table. So I think you put your finger on two subtle causes of the problem today, which have very adverse consequences for our country, which is closed minds and uncivil uh, behavior, words, talking, whether it's in speech, writing, or the, the world of the tweets. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I want to sneak in one last question for you, Senator, uh, because I think it's mm-hmm. another place where this this centrist solution begins. And part of that, we live in an age where uh, faith has, has been kind of nudged out of the, the public square or it's OK if you do that in your synagogue or your church or chapel or mosque, right. uh, but not, you know, don't don't bring that to work and don't don't bring that into the public square uh, but you are you are one who has lived your faith and shared your faith and been curious about other faiths and recognize the important role that civil society uh, has in our democracy. Uh, it seems to me that we're at a time where 
we need more of that faith in the public square, allowing people to bring their whole authentic self uh, into it, because that's where we can actually link arms and actually come up with a lot of the solutions that you've been talking about. Yeah, again, I agree with you. This is a country, and I must say uh, I've, I've been blessed to experience this myself, where a faith is not a divider but a uniter, but we're not reaching for it in recent times, and that's uh, part of why we're in the problem we're in. So, so people of faith uh, share a fundamental belief that we're not here uh, as uh, by an accident. We're here as a result of the intentional act of creation by God. And each of us, we believe, is uh, created in the image of God. So that says, wow, if you're going to, how could you treat somebody created in the image of God with, in a nasty way, with disrespect, personally attack them without cause? How could you not sit down at a table uh, respectfully and, and listen to that person and try to negotiate some kind of agreement together? And that, too, is part of I think what faith calls on us to do in anything we do in life, including uh, in this case, particularly governmental uh, leadership, which which is sorely lacking, unfortunately, even though most of the members of Congress and the White House are religious, it's sorely lacking uh, in Washington today. Yeah. And as we really look at that, I love the way you frame that in terms of uh, as you, if you look at someone as something created in the image of God, then you're you're not looking at people in poverty or addiction or whatever it may be as liabilities to be managed, but as uh, people with divine human potential uh, to be nourished. A- absolutely. I mean, we really we really are, in that sense, brothers and sisters. And I understand that it's a challenge sometimes to think of others that way, but that's the reality. And that's the reality that faith reminds us of, no matter what the disagreement or the, or the difference between us and the people uh, we're dealing with. Uh, Such great insight. The book is called The Centrist Solution, How We Made Government Work and Can Make It Work Again. Uh, Former Senator Joseph Lieberman, uh, we always appreciate you having on the program. We appreciate your statesmanship. We appreciate your leadership in our country. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Boyd. Uh, Really a pleasure for me. God bless you and be well. Talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks so much, Senator. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.